Hi, I'm Podrick Harrington. If you're enjoying the Open Podcast, subscribe for free and leave your thoughts in a review. Be sure to stay tuned for plenty more new content this July at Royal St. George's. From Royal St. George's at the 149th Open Championship, this is the Open Podcasts. Well, it's day one of the 149th Open from Royal St George's. The last group set off minutes ago from the number one tee box, and that's where we are right now. I'm with Matt Adams, commentator for the Open Radio, also working for the Golf Channel and host of Fairways of Life. Matt, great to be with you. Lovely to see you. We are here next to Justin Rose's divot. Can you explain why the (laughs) divot is here? Yeah, it was pretty neat to actually come over and see it because I was uh, assigned to follow his group alongside of Dustin Johnson and Will Zalatoris today. And what happened was on the 18th, Justin Rose hit a wicked hook. And as you know, there's a collar, call it a collar, it's about 50 feet wide, maybe 60 feet wide, a very thick, severe rough on the left side of 18. Well, his ball carried over all of that. I believe it hit some power cables just in front of where we're sitting right now here at the starter's shed, and it kicked back and left. So he was was granted relief from this permanent movable object, and from there hit the shots that I can see both where he took his practice swing and where he actually executed the shot itself. And he hit it to about 20 feet on the green, an absolutely beautiful shot. I I would be surprised if we saw another shot from here for the balance of the Open. And he, he ended up having a, a great opportunity for birdie, which he gave a good opportunity. He came up about a foot short, uh, tapped in for par, and ended up posting a great round. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, to make a par from here. Uh, he finished with, uh, what, 67, three under par, yeah. just the one birdie on the front nine, uh, two on the back nine birdies on 10 and 13. But let's let's start right at the top of the leaderboard, Matt. We'll talk about your group, who you followed. You, you spoke about uh, Rose, and he was out with DJ and Will Zalatoris, but we'll speak about that in a second. Okay. Right at the top, Louis Oosthuizen at six under par. How did he play? Here we are, another major championship and another time that Louis Oosthuizen figures. He has arguably one of the most beautiful golf swings in the world. And in windy conditions, the, the balance that he has always plays well. So this could be for Louis Oosthuizen when he gets another major championship and maybe he'll join Greg Norman with two opens as his first two. I remember I was assigned to him in in 2010 at St. Andrews as well. And he's just such class, such poise, a very elegant golfer, and and as I mentioned, golf swing to accompany it. So it, it does not surprise me that he's in the mix once again, and certainly you can't go through the door for a second time unless you keep knocking on it. Mm. Uh- seven seconds in majors it's remarkable his second Mm -hmm. place finishes but he joined fellow South Africans Ninty back in 2010 when he won the Open Championship joined Bobby Locke Gary Player and Ernie Els to become champion golfer won by seven strokes back then pretty good company isn't it it's not not bad at all Uh, tied second in 2015 I mean he loves the Open Championship I remember back in 2010 when he won he had that red dot on his glove didn't he yes Uh, to to focus doesn't have that anymore doesn't need that but you just see an elegant sublime swing that repeats, repeats, repeats. That's what it is. And I think for Louis Tazen, 
because that swing is so consistent and so beautiful and so well in balance and so lethal when you get right down to it, it really comes down to what he's channeling with the putter. And if the putter is working for him, these greens are, are a little bit slower as they have to be because of the winds that we are subject to, then you've got you've got a, a golfer in Louis Hazen that can go at it a little bit harder, keep it more on line, at least on the intended line. So I think he's got an extremely good chance from this point on. Yeah, loves to be on his tractor as well. Whether he wins or loses, he's always on his tractor keeps him sane doesn't it you you mentioned the wind there just tell us how it's changing as the day goes on well it was interesting because when we looked at the the forecast uh, the the winds in prospect were supposed to be about the same throughout the course of the day we're talking somewhere between 12 to 15 miles per hour and as we were broadcasting it's interesting that people might might like to know that we get a data portal that comes in from the RNA, and and the amount of information that we have at our disposal is absolutely massive in terms of what individual players are doing, what a hole is doing, for example, where we're sitting right now on this first tee. Yeah. This, in the opening nine, was the hardest fairway to hit. And you look at it and you say, my gosh, it's just a benign hole. It hasn't changed since yeah. 1997, other than placement of tee boxes, yet only 38% of the field was able to hit the fairway here, which speaks to this golf course. My goodness. So what happened with the winds, because that's one of the portals that we have, it's a weather station from the RNA, and there's seven different measuring points on the golf course. And from stem to stern, from one to another, there were variances as much as 10 miles per hour in gusts, and the gusts had reached in the mid-20s. So it's a very different golf course uh, in terms of what it was this morning because of the severity of those winds, and we're seeing it uh, manifest itself in terms of what scores are capable of being shot this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're not seeing those lower scores, are we? But uh, speaking of Louis Oosthuizen, and he's, he's right in there. Maybe it's going to be another memorable Open Championship for him. Let's hear from him right now. It was one of those where, if you look back at it, probably hit a lot of perfect shots the way, I, you know, you, you, you thought of hitting it. Um, you know, I think I sort of just um, went out and, and enjoyed it and just um, was probably a little bit more aggressive on on some iron shots because I felt that comfortable but um, you know and I rolled it nicely but a uh, lot of golf left but um, obviously a great start to the tournament. If you want to hear more from Louis and uh, other players as well go to theopen.com and the Open app as well. Now Matt there's a little bit of kerfuffle behind us on the 18th as Podrick Harrington two-time Open champion is taking a drop. He's playing with um, Sam Forgan who we spoke about yesterday on yesterday's preview show but Podrick's taking a drop. What what can we see? From what I can tell from where we're standing, and again, we're over by the starter's shed on the first tee. I believe that his ball released through the barriers that they have set up on the left side of this hole and that the gallery presses against, and it runs all the way up this left side. It's an absolutely brilliant place to watch the finish of the Open. It, and there's nothing like... The finishing holes at, at an open just nothing like it the, the way that the grandstands just spread out in reach like arms extended welcoming you to this finishing hole and then when it actually is encased with with people on sunday afternoon as as the leader comes down and finishes it's something that is so unique in the game of golf well i believe on the left side that's where podrick harrington's drive has ended up he's still a good 30 feet away from what we were talking about earlier where 
Justin Rose was. Uh, but he's going to get relief if that in, is in fact what's happening. He would be granted relief from this gallery fence line. Well, he's just coming off the back, actually, of a birdie on 17. He didn't start the round uh, the way he would have wanted with a double bogey, a bogey on four, birdie on eight and nine, out in 36 strokes. There was a drop shot at 15, pick one up, as I say, on 17. So at the moment, Podrick is one over par. He'll be hoping to get down with... Oof. In three shots, won't he? To, well, to we'll finish see. I mean, one if, over. If, he take, if he if his ball went through the fence and the and the fence is actually obscuring a second shot, he will get free relief. And if he gets relief on this side that he's happy with, he's going to be where the gallery is already matted down the grass. So it could be to his benefit when it plays itself out. One of the features on the road to the Open was Sam Forgan qualifying, and you can hear the crowd there. What a what a lovely applause for him as he's his his second shot out of the rough. Did he make the green? Yeah. Yeah, he did make the right side of the green. The difficulty with the rough is because there's been so much rain that normally this time of year the rough looks like hay that's about to be harvested. Uh, instead, <laughs> it's it's very green and it's very lush. And if you get a flyer, meaning that there's grass between the ball and the club and that and the and the, the, the water in the leaves of the plant will actually squish into the grooves, you can get a, it's very difficult to judge. And he judged that one beautifully. He flighted it down to the right side, played it from right to left. Now the wind is hard from the right. And from my perspective, it looked like the shot that he hit held on the back of the green. So brilliantly played from a difficult position. Yeah, really good to watch. The the amphitheater that is eighteen and so uh, Oh, it's it's honestly spine tingling. It is. It, I get goosebumps. We'll, we'll go. We'll keep an eye on Podrig, but we'll go back to the top of the leaderboard. Jordan Spieth, who had a, a 65 today, five under par, his lowest round in the Open Championship, equaled it in at Royal Birkdale in 2017. This is actually the first time he's played in England since Royal Birkdale, because of course we're at Carnoustie in 2018 sure. and Royal Portrush in 2019. What did you make of his play today? I think in many ways that that. Jordan Spieth has has been reintroduced to the Jordan Spieth that he used to know. Uh, I think that, you know, through the weight of expectations, his and 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 outside of him, uh, he he sought, he was seeking for more, as as many golfers do. But in doing that, I think he got away from that which makes him so incredibly unique. This ability that that Jordan has to scramble and and to do things. You know, it's funny because. People will often talk about Jordan Spieth as, as being one of the greatest putters. And when you really look at the stats, Jordan Spieth is actually not a great putter. He's about average from inside of 15 feet. So why do people always say that then? Because I think he's one of the greatest clutch putters uh-huh. of all uh, time. Yeah. Um, yes, he is He is the, the best when you talk about 20, 25 feet or more, but there's only so many of those in a round. There's not many of them to really speak of. There's not enough to carry you to the heights of glory that he has been at many, many times. But what, what Jordan was able to do at the height of his prowess was that he was able to convert the putts that he had to convert when he had to convert them. Uh, even when you look, when you mentioned Burkdale, when you look at what happened to him in the final round on 13, and to be able to recover from oh. everything that took place, his his tee shot that that flew off to the right and apparently caromed off the side of a, of a man's head and, and bounced <laughs> way up over a dune was able to find it was able to take relief because it was in the middle of an area where, where the uh, the tour lorries were otherwise situated and then to make the the bogey that he did on that hole he he had a second shot uh, after he got relief and, and and hit his shot in front of the green and it was it was the ground was sloping away from to a pot bunker that 
the backside of, of the bunker on the green side was raised, and then the green sloped away from there, so he was effectively short-sided. He hit it to about 10 feet from there, and it was really a tremendous play. Yeah. And then, from of course, from there, after that, he went crazy and making a birdie at 14, making the eagle at 15, and, and so it went. What is interesting about Jordan Spieth now, though, is that in as much as he's actually playing quite well and but people still focus on where he was then to where he is now jordan's performance coming into this open is better than it was coming into the open at royal burkdale so for many many different reasons and obviously wow, he loves this hear. championship mm. uh, we have reason to be very optimistic particularly if you're a jordan spieth fan to think that this may be another magical weekend for him yeah and it was so wonderful to see him win on the pj tour again this year winning yeah. the, the valero texas open this is his eighth open championship and uh, three top tens uh, his card today it really shows actually you spoke about that you know him getting into the, the zone on that on those final few holes at royal burkdale well we mm. today he did he had a bogey on the third then had a streak of birdies five to eight. Well, if you remember when Jordan was was Jordan in all of his essence, he would play better when he would get angry. Yeah. He, yeah. he's, he just seems like the nicest yeah. kid in the world. But when he would get angry, he would channel this rage and he would go on a tear. And he did it again today. Oh, that's absolutely true. He leans into it, doesn't he? So he's out in 32, back in 33, uh, a 65 for Jordan Spieth. And here is the story of his day. From the Spieth zone... 25 feet plus. Yeah, I, the lid came off on five. I made a nice long putt there and then just hit some really nice iron shots. You know, they gave us a few chances if you hit, if you positioned it well off the tee on six, seven, and eight. And I was able to take advantage there in the middle of that round. Speed birdie putt on the way, yes. Now we've seen him brush in four good putts already through eight holes. Being under par through the first nine in a tournament when you've had three weeks off is always a kind of a nice little um, um, confidence booster to feel like there's very little rust and you're ready to go. Well, he's in the middle now. <laughs> That's just fantastic. Spieth takes the lead, five under par. That was a sixth birdie of the day on 16 for Jordan Spieth. As he walked off that green, our own Inci Memo was standing by to follow his last two holes. So we're on the 17th hole, 426 yard par four. The wind's down off the right shoulder and it's feeling like it's really picked up a little bit, about 15 to 20 kilometers per hour. Well, the adrenaline's going to be pumping now. First speed, just birdied 16. So good to see all the fans back again. The support's there, the speed. Jordan Spieth is the closest to the hole. Theoretically, has the best chance of holding this birdie putt. Oh, that must have been close. Whenever I think about Jordan Spieth putting, I think about how he overpowered the greens back in 2015 in the Masters. Just never looked like he was ever going to miss. Now a dinky three-footer. It's short, but just as important. Not looking at the hole this time, but gets the job done. Easy par for Spieth. Now we're up by the green, surrounded by the grandstands. It feels like the wind's died down, but of course, looking at the tops of the flags, it's still moving. It means the wind is still there. You look left and right, and you've got the classic leaderboard. 
the yellow open leaderboard and you can see that Spieth and Oosthuizen is tied on five under. Go on, tap this in. Stay at the top of the leaderboard at five under. Yeah. No problem for Jordan Spieth. Ties a lead at five under with Louis Oosthuizen. Moving on to your group, Matt, and remind us who you were following today. I had Dustin Johnson world number one today. I Sounds had terrible. Will Zalatoris <laughs> in his first ever Open, which was fun. Uh, and I had Justin Rose. Oh, wonderful. Rose at uh, three under par. DJ was two under, Zalatoris one under. D you saw the eagle on 12 from Zalatoris. Yeah, we saw the, the eagle on 12. And it's funny how, how a live broadcast goes because we have so many teams out on the golf course to make sure that we're covering this uh, Open as best we can. And I remember saying to, to my producer, I said, well, it's funny, Zalatoris has about 86 yards left here, and he's in a good position right in the middle of the fairway. He was kind of on a, a bit of an upslope, and the wind was into him so that he could be aggressive on it, and he hit this shot. Of course, they didn't they didn't take the shot because it was we had so much to cover, which yeah. I understand. It's an approach mm -hmm. shot. You've got birdie putts from other people. So <laughs> I, I said, I understand. We'll, we'll, we'll stand down and wait for this to play oh. itself out. And he hits this shot, and it comes in, and, and it, it reaches the pinnacle of its flight, and it hits the wind and it almost looks like it's going to start to come backwards it didn't actually oh. but it almost looked like it was going to and it came down just behind the hole it's hit spun dance waltz twice into the hole and he just put his arms oh, up and triumph it was absolutely brilliant <laughs> that is amazing that's amazing of course we've got to remind everybody listening that he finished one behind uh, matsuyama in the masters finished second place there and he's coming off the back of a tied 26 finish at the Scottish Open mm -hmm. last week. Now, I, I've had this chat with quite a few um, commentators, journalists. Americans travelling over to the Open Championship, should they be playing Lynx Golf, Scottish, the Scottish Open the week before, or any kind of Lynx Golf? Oh, I think so. I mean, what I, what I would love to see in a perfect world is I would love to see them play the rotation of the, the Irish and then the Scottish and then come into uh, the Open wherever it is. I, I think that would be some great preparation in terms of not only getting acclimated for the time but also just getting used to those little shots that you have in particular around the greens i mean they're professional athletes so they're used to playing in crosswinds and winds of, of any variety particularly if you've got golfers say from florida or from texas or from oklahoma uh, but the the entirety of it is what is different here in in terms and you'll see it a lot that's why i think today is so important because for for the vast majority of the field they're still learning out here today even though yeah. they, had, they had their practice yeah. rounds as you well know with a card and pencil in hand it's very different than it is in a practice round so there's there's a learning going on here and it was it was a lot of times you'll you'll see them hitting these high lofted shots that go up and hit that wall of wind and, and come up short we saw that a lot on the fifth hole today but it was interesting with will zalatoris that wasn't what i saw i watched him flight a lot of different shots and, and play them in different ways uh, he he missed two putts from i would say maybe two feet it happened twice really? today yeah so there, there was just at times it looked like uh, perhaps just it was his first open and perhaps it was a little measure of of focus uh, but nonetheless he still was able when it was all said and done to finish in red numbers of one under yeah I mean, experience counts for so much, doesn't it? But yeah. I was speaking to Robley yesterday, who played in his first Open here in 1985, and he was pretty fearless. He, he was leading after a couple of rounds. Sometimes you don't have that baggage, that scar tissue, do you? <laughs> and you can come out and play some great golf. Uh, DJ, Dustin Johnson, finished yeah. at two under. How did he play? 
Uh, pretty good. He, it was a slow start for Dustin Johnson, but he, I was really impressed the way that he, you know, kind of grinded it out. It, there, it's so often that we focus on Dustin Johnson with, with him as this big, strong man, and, and he, you know, can blast the, the golf ball down the fairway. But he held himself in with what he did with his short game, which which was impressive to me. And then again, I just I got a sense as they were as they were going around, he 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 took his medicine where he had to. He hit it in the rough a couple of times, and one of the times he could only advance the ball about 60 yards from there. But he saved par on that hole, and so I saw a lot of that, a lot of patience, which kind of speaks to what you were just talking about experience. Uh, but it also speaks to the individual's maturity level in terms of how much they're willing to forgive themselves at. The time and place and he really seemed patient i was very very impressed with what he did yeah uh, the caddy master said if you don't come off this golf course with a headache after 18 holes you've you've not you've done something wrong <laughs> because it's so taxing and just quite a few english players have finished it yet actually matt you can hear the wind though can't you i mean on our microphones this there's, there's still a bit of breeze isn't there oh yes yeah the, the like as i was mentioning the wind gusts were easily in the mid 20s uh, on the golf course this afternoon and and it's reflecting itself in the scores that we're seeing yeah. Justin Rose at a three under par, as I say. Um, other English players, Jack Senior, three under, Annie Sullivan, Danny Willett, uh, Paul Casey, two under. But it, there's, there's a group of Englishmen threatening. Obviously, we haven't had an English winner of the Open since 92 and on uh, English soil since 69. Tony Jacklin. Tony Jacklin, the great Tony Jacklin. So, obviously, a lot of the fans are, are, are behind the English lot. Who, who are you picking out of that group to do well? Uh, multiple players. I, I I had a funny feeling that Terrell Hatton would play well here this week. It didn't it didn't start out that way for him as yet, but the name most of the names that you had mentioned there are players that went out early. It wasn't quite as as maddening early in the day. So I think by and large, you know, it's funny. Uh, I heard someone mention to uh, Paul Casey, I forget who it was that was interviewing him, that essentially asked him to say, do you think, you know, in your 40s that, that you can contend at a facility or at a venue like this in an open? And, and obviously the answer is yes. He's got he's got plenty of his strength. He's got much of his, his control. And this is a golf course that requires control. Mm, certainly does. Well, a great round for Danny Willett. And he certainly enjoyed his day out playing in front of the home fans. For us British guys, the British fans are, are the best in the world. You know, the Open is is a very special venue, a very special tournament for, for, for everyone. Um, but yeah, to be able to be clapped onto every every tee, clapped onto every green, um, really guys who know, you know, spectators, fans who know golf, um, makes a big difference in this game. And um, and they've been out there in the thousands all week, and it's been fantastic to have them back. Andy Sullivan was uh, three under par. He was the early leader in the clubhouse by virtue of setting out with the first group of the day at 6:35 a.m. An experience he said he was proud of. You know, it's always a privilege, I think, to be in the first group of the day. I did it. Uh, at Carnoo City with Sandy Lyle, um, and that was amazing. Obviously, Sandy's last Open, uh, it was it was pretty special. And today, you know, a lot of saying to the boys, it's probably the one event of the year where you actually don't mind getting up early for. You know, other events, it's sort of drag yourself out of bed and you look like the Kellogg's man. Um, but um, today was actually wasn't too bad. It's always uh, you've always got a buzz to come and play the Open. Yeah, really good score from Andy Sullivan there and he was playing with Richard Bland who, as we know, this season became the oldest winner on the European Tour at the uh, 48 years young, winning the British Masters. Uh, Richard finished level par. One of the other groups which was pretty tasty today, Brian Harmon, Dylan Fratelli and Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, they finished at five under, four under and what was Mackenzie Hughes? He was four under as well. Tell us a little bit, Matt, about Brian Harmon. 
Well, Brian Harmon is a gritty player. Uh, he's a great player. He features in a lot of big events. Uh, so obviously he's he's not afraid of the stage that he is on. He's a lefty. Uh, Brian Harmon is one of the smaller players on the PGA Tour, actually. Yeah. He's about 5'6", but he gener- has a nice big arc, and he generates enough power that he can pump the ball out there and be in contention. So I don't see Brian Harmon wilting from circumstance. He won't be consumed by the moment. It's just a question of what ha- what he does in terms of birdies and what people do around him. But it won't be because he will self-destruct. Obviously in a good mood after his round, and this is what he had to say. I love coming here. I've never, I've just never done any good, and and it's not because I haven't hit it good. It's I've just never putted very, very well over here. And um, I, I don't know if this is my fifth or sixth or however many it is, but um, I, I love the golf here. I, I think it's fabulous. I just, I'm glad that I finally shot a decent score to go along with how much I like coming here. Okay, he's playing in his uh, his sixth open. He's only made one cut. That was back in 2014. Two-time PJ Tour winner, of course. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, the Canadian. It's his debut, and uh, my goodness, what a score he's posted! Four under par. Yeah, he's uh, Mackenzie Hughes is a, a great player out of Canada. We were having our discussion this morning about the four Canadian players who would be the low Canadian at the end of the week. And Mackenzie Hughes is a winner on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's he's a, a player with an all-around game as as evidenced by the fact that he was able to play and score well here. Uh, depending on where you play around uh, Canada, you can you can get places on the on the periphery of Canada on either coast that is every bit as windy as it would be in, in yes. Scotland. So uh, that's why I don't think that the wind per se will really uh, delineate uh, those who could be contenders based upon what country that they're from because they're all used to that. I do think the imagination that a player is able to employ and Mackenzie Hughes is a very copacetic individual very little bothers him and that's the perfect mindset you that you need for an open certainly is he's qualified for the Olympics as well he's looking forward to that and the the third gentleman to make up that trio was Dylan Fratelli who finished at four under he was actually third reserve he wasn't in on Sunday night Monday morning got the phone call and he's in um, he's worked a lot on his lengths off the tee and uh, it's uh, come to fruition he's doing very well but these three players with such low scores do you find in a group sometimes they feed off each other oh, sure yeah especially because uh, you're going to benefit from sight lines uh, if you hit in the same even on one side of the hole or another, you're going to benefit from seeing break that you may not otherwise, especially when you're talking about Mackenzie Hughes and, and Dylan Fratelli. I don't know if they would have seen this golf course prior no. to practice rounds no. and, and coming out here and playing in the tournament proper and the championship. So, yeah, I definitely think that, that one can benefit from another. Brian has had a fantastic first round and he's one of many players who want to be defending champion for next year at the 150th Open at St Andrews. If you want to be there, you can enter the ticket ballot today. Here's more information. Everything has led to this, a milestone championship. For the first time ever, we will run a ticket ballot for the 150th Open at St Andrews in 2022. We expect unprecedented demand, and everyone should have the chance to be there. It's fairer, it's more inclusive, it's safer. What's not to like? Find out more and sign up now at theopen.com. Okay, so some of the other players, we've got to talk about the defending champion, Shane Lowry. Uh, One over par, what do you make of that performance? You know, Shane Lowry has a way of stepping up on big stages. And I think that 
you know, it's early days. It's it's far too early to cast any definitive judgment on Shane Lowry or really anybody else that's yeah. in and around uh, par, in his case at one over par, that he couldn't come out and do something special moving forward. For Shane Lowry, he'll, he'll forever hold the distinction of being the, the open champion and to have had the, the claret jug in the two-year period because of what we went through with COVID. Obviously, this means a great deal to him. He was extremely excited about defending this championship, and I think it's it's too early to, to cast any dispersions. Other big names, John Rahm, again, are you going to, you know, is it it's too early to to predict anything one over par one of the lovely storylines today was Stuart Sink who shot four under par his 22nd Open Championship of course we can't forget 2009 but how lovely for him to play so well today it was great he was actually the group in front of us so I saw much of his rounds you know as you try to get in front of of the, the shots that your particular group is hitting so you can call them as they're coming towards you and I was able to watch Stuart Sink. Uh, he's obviously had a great season already <laughs> this year, and he's got his son Reagan on the bag. And, and Reagan already had a job lined up with Delta Airlines. Yeah, I heard done. that. He I heard that. And his dad needed him to fill in. They did well, and he said, "Can you kind of hang with me for a while?" And here's how good a kid Reagan is. Reagan said to his father, I've loved the experience, I've loved spending the time with you, but I want to get back to my job. Now, obviously, he's starting out at a company. He's not going to start at any high rungs, and he's made a lot of money caddying for his dad based on on percentages from winning, but he wants to live his life. And he so enjoyed the experience that he had that he wants to add to the chapters of his life and get started with his profession. And I just think it's really cool. The, the whole Sink family, his other son, Connor, and this, you know, from husband and wife and sons, they have a really good balance. They get it. They understand it. They love to spend time together. And all of that, I think, is, is showing itself where... You know, Stuart Sink's a lot bigger than people think. He's a lot taller. He's a lot stronger. And in many ways, he's younger than people think because of the they had children so young. Yeah. He's not here. He's like 47, if memory serves me right now. And so he's can pump it out there plenty far enough. And I I just really like the vibe that he has right now. Seems very comfortable in his own Mm. skin. He's very tall. I was surprised at how tall he was when I walked past him the other day. some of the other storylines, I mean, so many are developing. Lee Westwood has finished at one over par. Darren Clark, one over. Uh, players are still out on the golf course. Rory McIlroy, he's played nine holes and he's one over. Mm-hmm. The crowds are obviously right behind him. Rory often comes off the back of a miscut and then goes and plays really well. He's, he's spoken about the fact that um, he's missed events, he's missed miscuts and then and then won a, champion, a tournament or a major weeks after. How do you see him plotting his way around this golf course? Well, it's interesting because here I am, am preaching to the fact that we can't judge too early uh, after, after an opening round of an Open. But with Rory, there's a pattern. He's had 10 top 10s in the Open. In all of those top 10s but one, his opening round was in the 60s. So really? for Rory, it tends to reveal itself right away. If he's plus one right now, then we know that he's probably two shots away from doing Rory-esque type things. And that's based upon his own book. That's that's his own pathway with what we've seen in the past. He started out absolutely on fire, hit it so close to one he couldn't miss it. He had a birdie putt from about three or four feet on two that he missed on the high side. He had a birdie putt on three from about 17 feet coming down the green. So Rory McIlroy has it working. If you're a fan of Rory McIlroy, the two things that you don't like to see 
is you don't like to see him start to struggle with the putter from about five or six feet or in, and you don't like to see him start to have uh, problems with distance control with his high lofted irons. Uh, that's happened already a few times today. Uh, I'm hoping maybe that was just kind of a, a little bit of early nerviness. Is that a word, nerviness? It is, it is now. Uh, and so I'm, I'm hoping that that's what he was and, they, and that he's put that away on the shelf and that he can start channeling mm. himself and become the Rory we know he's capable of. Yeah, uh, but as we say, you know, tricky conditions this afternoon it to shoot that. under it par is on, very difficult. on the back nine. But somebody who is doing really well is uh, Benjamin Herbert. Uh, the Frenchman is currently tied fourth at four under par. He, he went out in 33. He's had birdies on 12 and 14. He's on the 16th at the moment. But that, that score is is fantastic this afternoon. It is fantastic. And usually in any field, you'll have a few players that do something that defy yeah. all reason. <laughs> the, the draw of the Open Championship, of course, we, we start at 6.30am with the first tee shot and then the, the last tee time is, what, gone four o'clock? I mean, it plays a factor, doesn't it? Oh, sure. I mean, again, it comes, like, with today, just as an example, if you look at what we were expecting with the wind, it's reasonable to assume that generally in the afternoon the winds are going to kick up. Now, obviously, that's going to be tied into into the tides, etc. But today it was looking like the winds would be the exact same all the way yeah. through. And you know, you'll come and be asked the question: Well, what do you think in terms of the draw on which side of the draw and the impact it would have? Well, if you look at the forecast for the week, it's going to get warmer as the week progresses. Mm. And so if that warmth was also tethered with what they told us to expect, the wind starting to die down, then right now you're looking at a situation where the people that have early late early Thursday, late Friday, yeah. they yeah. may well have an argument that they got a better draw than the people that were late Thursday early, early Friday. Friday. But mm. we shall see. If tomorrow, if there's a little bit of moisture in the golf course and the winds are down just a bit, you I don't care who it is, whether it's Rory McIlroy that we're talking about or anybody else, you could see players go out and shoot another 64-65. Yeah. Oh, so exciting, isn't it? Tommy Fleetwood is uh, is two under par. He's had a birdie on the tenth, or th his third birdie of the day, dropped one at the fourth hole. Runner-up, of course, in 2019. Uh, what have you seen from him this season? What are your hopes? You know, a, a number of different things, but one of that I wanted to mention was I love the joy that he had at making the Olympic team representing yes. uh, the UK. I just thought that that was the great that he was so excited about it. Took pictures wearing his official team jacket. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood has said that he's not coming in playing as well as he did in 2019, but his ball striking is so good that I do think that it can click in for Tommy. One of the things that I also thought was classic, maybe you saw this, Di, when he was having his press conference, he has, yeah. a, he has a logo on his on, yeah. on his breast. Did you see it? Yeah. It's a silhouette of him wearing a cap with his with his, his locks yes. billowing in, behind him. <laughs> I, I love I, that. I looked at that I said, I think that's I think that's a silhouette of himself, and it is. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I love the little stories that are coming out. I mean, I didn't know that Billy Horschel was a West Ham fan. He is. He's got, he's got a West Ham bag, hasn't he? He does. And Billy Horschel comes from a. He's also a, a, a rugby fan. He is. Which surprises a lot of yes. people. Yes. He comes from a family of rugby players. His father loves the game That's and they, they play in a rugby league in in florida which i always stop and i think to myself can you imagine playing rugby with these hairy sweaty men in florida but oh, they do oh it, it's not appealing in any shape or form <laughs> the humidity there means you sweat you. a lot um i do love florida and orlando but rugby in florida possibly don't well they obviously do go they are doing yeah, it they're, yeah. they're doing yeah. well what a day it's been and a big part of that has been the fans and Incy Mehmet was up she was up bright and early to meet some of them. 
day one at the open. We're just standing beyond the entrance, floods of people coming in, walking into the tented village. Plenty to look out for. You've got the open shop, the golf zone, the swing zone, plenty of drinks if you like as well. It's really exciting stuff, up to 32,000 people. Great to see people again out here at the open. Dan, we're from Folkestone, Kent, just down the road. Uh, we've got Archie and we've got Roger. And it seems like this is a family affair? Yep, day out for the family. Uh, we love our golf, we're here for the sun, the weather and some decent golf today. What are your plans today? What are you most looking forward to? Just enjoying the atmosphere and, uh, yeah, enjoying some good golf. Well, you've got the young one here as well, plays a little bit of golf. How old are you and what's your name? I'm nine and I'm called Archie. And you like your golf? Yeah. What are you looking forward to the most today? Um, same Rory McIlroy. We're all fans of McIlroy. All right, well, make sure you find him out then. Have a great day. Hi. Can I have a cappuccino, please? <laughs> have you got any pastry? Oh, my name's Paul. Um, I'm from uh, Kew and near Richmond and uh, Surrey. How does it feel to be out here in an open venue? You've got up to 32,000 people who can enjoy the spectacle. How does it feel to be part of it? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I think everybody just appreciates the, the, the fact that this is you know, this can happen again now and of course we used to appreciate it before but you appreciate it even more when you've had a, a year and a bit of not being able to do it we've just walked through the spectators village and now surrounded by grandstands naturally most people will be wanting to enter the first tee box watching all the best players in the world head off start their first round of the open championship and there's quite a queue building already Jack Fox and from Bexley Heath, London. Is this your first time at an open venue? It's not. I couldn't tell you where it was, but I was lucky enough to go to the one in Blackpool with my father a few years ago. Um, sounds bad. I enjoyed it. It was one of the best days of my life. I couldn't tell you who won or what. It was the one in Blackpool, but um, no, second one. But really looking forward to this one today, yeah. How does it feel to be part of such a prestigious event? It has been a really tough year, so it's just nice, you know, just to walk around the park outside of your mates, watching the sport that you love with other people and being a local lad as well. You've already bumping into friends that you haven't seen in two years, a year. Um, very lucky, yeah, very lucky. From England, Jonathan Thompson. Well, we've had a superb morning. It's really great to be seeing the grandstands all filled up. Everyone's had their coffees, they're ready to go. I think I'm ready to go. Matt, how much of a difference have the fans made to this championship? It's been absolutely brilliant to have them out there again. In any sporting event, particularly a major event, I believe that the fans are the lifeblood. Uh, and when, when you have them back here on site and, and there you can tell they are so excited. What I love is you see generations together. Right. And, and you see friends together and they're taking it all in and, and they're and they're basking in the sunshine that that's greeted us here at Royal St. George's. Everything is coming together. And what, what I love about all of these, I mean, I think it's the essence of the game is that the game of golf ultimately is about hope. And what we need right now in the world is hope. <laughs> So true, so true. It's wonderful. Thank you, Matt. It's so great to get your insights and we hope to speak to you later on in the week. Thank you. I look forward to it. It's always a pleasure to see you. Don't forget to head to theopen.com and the Open app for the leaderboard and make sure to subscribe to the Open podcast with notifications turned on so you don't miss tomorrow's episode as soon as it's live. This has been an original audio production from The Open.